Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, there is still hope. And where there is hope, there is always a way. Welcome back to the Cricket Corner podcast with me, Vatsal Vora, for the day four review of the World Test Championship final between India and Australia coming to you live from the Oval. India still hanging in there. And we are in for a thrilling day five here as the men in blue need 280 runs on the final day. And it seems possible, but we'll talk about Indian batting in a moment. Let's start by talking about the Australian batting because they declared their innings. It's not the case of India bowling them out. They took eight wickets. India took eight Australian wickets, but in the end, they declared on 270, posting a total, posting a target, I should say, posting a target of 444 for India. Australia had an overnight score of 123 for 4. They added 147 more runs, 270 for 8. And this is largely down to Alex Carey and Mitchell Stark. Alex Carey hanging in there, unbeaten at 66, unbeaten on 66. Sorry, that's some poor grammar there, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, 66 not out for Alex Carey, 41 for Mitchell Stark. And the pair adding 93 runs together and that seemed to be the reason why Australia were comfortable in declaring at 270 because 444 runs is a huge huge total and you can agree why Australia did manage to declare. Yesterday I was talking how a target below 400 would be somewhat chaseable as far as the Indians are concerned because they have some great batting and some of them, some of the batters are really good at chasing, while like Virat Kohli himself. But a target well above 400 is something which felt like Australia are already in the driver's seat, and they have just, and there's just two more possible outcomes for this game. It could either be an Australia win or a draw. Indian win seems out of the way at the moment, but that's not the case as far as the Indians are concerned because 
at the end of day four they are currently 164 for the loss of three wickets 280 more required as i mentioned before and they have got two of the best test match batsmen of the current generation in virat kohli and ajinkya rahane at the wicket ajinkya rahane is on 20 whilst virat kohli is on 44 valuable contributions from rohit sharma and cheteshwar pujara as well cheteshwar pujara scoring 27 rohit sharma scoring 43 both of them looked quite good but then poor shot selection did cost them their wicket. I'm not talking about Shubman Gill here. Shubman Gill scored 18, but his dismissal was a lot more contentious than what Rohit Sharma and Pujara's dismissals were. Let's let's talk about that Gill dismissal, shall we? Shubman Gill looked excellent. Shubman Gill scored 18 of just 19 deliveries, two boundaries along the way, and he looked in complete control. You know Shubman Gill is in complete control when he hits that back foot punch to the boundary down to extra cover but but then came uh, Scott Boland Scott Boland pitches the ball up and he tries to drive and if and the ball once again carries to second or third slip where Cameron Green takes another blinder yes Cameron Green did take a blinder in the first innings uh, I think it dismissed was it Ajinkya Rahane yes I guess I think it was Ajinkya Rahane of Pat Cummings wasn't it yeah so he did dismiss him with a blinder by taking a catch with his one hand. He did pretty much the same. I think this time it was his left hand rather than his right hand, which was in the first innings, which was the case in the first innings. But then it felt like for a moment he touched the ground there. The umpires took a brave decision, like took the right decision by asking the third umpire what's the decision here. Because from the naked eye, it looked like things happened in a blink of an eye and it was really tough for anyone out there to know whether the catch was clean or not. Cameron Green did claim the catch and in the end, so did the Australians. They all celebrated alongside the big fella. But then the replays weren't convincing either. Like there were a few images on social media afterwards, which caused a lot of uproar from the Indian fans in general, because it clearly felt like the ball has touched the ground. But then again, the footage was like the image, still image was kind of misleading as well. There is a possibility that, and Indian fans are not going to like me for saying this, but there seemed like a possibility that there is Cameron Green's middle and fourth finger underneath the ball, if I may add. It's a really pretentious one, like a contentious one, don't get me wrong. It is controversial in nature. And you just have to assume that his two fingers, his third and the fourth finger were beneath the ball. But you could also argue that they weren't. Now, on one hand, you would like say, tell me that, okay, whatever umpire says, it's out. Whatever says it, that is going to be the final decision. You just move on. But it was such a crucial wicket as far as the Indians are concerned because... Shubman Gill has the tendency of scoring quick runs, be it one-day cricket, test cricket or even T20 cricket. So if he had hanged in there for a good period of time, let's say phase 20, 30, 35 overs, there could have been a, there could have been a, a possibility that India could have been much closer to the target already with one more days to play one more day to play. But 
yeah it it is it is it is controversial it is contentious don't get me wrong and i still don't have an answer for the listeners here on spotify or apple podcasts where you are listening but yeah uh, i i still don't have an answer i i tend to believe the uh, what i see but it still doesn't seem like i'm still not convinced by the close up images i'm still not convinced by the videos and the stuff that are surfacing on online on social media you can don't get me wrong you can completely make an argument i can understand why the indian fans are not happy with the decision but but then again you can give the benefit of doubt to the batsman you can probably give the benefit of the doubt to the bowler as well onto the fielding side but it it felt like with the replays and stuff on 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 the broadcast it felt like a 50-50 once you look at the pictures which come out after the decision on social media and stuff then then you can start to see what the actual scenario was but then was the third umpire in a in a rush to make the decision do you think that's a valid point i don't think so personally was the umpire right well i don't have an opinion i'm just giving both the side like both arguments to the both sides here i could assume that he had his middle and fourth finger underneath there could be an argument being made that even though they were underneath the ball could be in between those hands and touching the ground uh, you i don't know but shubman gill unfortunately had to had to go and was quite shocked i must say so was i watching the broadcast so was rohit sharma at the non strikers and there is like a cool image of him completely shell shocked with his wide mouth wide open and yeah tough tough pill to swallow as far as the indians are concerned tough pill tough pill to follow if you are shubman gill but hey life goes on and so it did when cheteshwar pujara came out to bat he was looking really really good cheteshwar pujara scoring 27 of 47 deliveries five boundaries along the way but then he tries to play an uppercut we usually don't associate cheteshwar pujara with and uh, he it takes the nick of pat cummings and an easy catch for the wicket keeper alex carey rohit sharma was the man dismissed before cheteshwar pujara i think he was just dismissed an over before cheteshwar pujara 43 for him he tried to sweep nathan lyon but the ball crushing it into the into his thighs and despite taking the review it was clear that the ball was going to hit off stump Rohit Sharma did look good as well he has had his critics when it comes to test cricket that he's not adequate to be a test match cricketer but he did show intent he showed positivity he was not bogged down by the 444 run mammoth target he and Shubman Gill made a really positive start like within 7 overs they are like 40 runs i think within the first 10 overs they are like 59 for 1 at one point india so rohit sharma did play with good positive intent 43 runs included seven boundaries and a six and if i ask you to pick what shot was that six you would guess it right yes it was that pull shot he did hit a pull for a boundary as well with just fall shot of the of the boundary row so yeah 43 for him 18 for shubman gill and we have cheteshwar pujara scoring 27 as well but we have uh, rohit char uh, sorry we have Virat Kohli on 44 not out and Ajinkya Rahane on 20 not out. It looks like they are in complete control at the moment and that's the reason why I still have hope that India can pull off this mammoth run chase because I don't see 
I don't remember a lot of deliveries where Virat Kohli was beaten by either Nathan Lyon or Mitchell Stark or Pat Cummins to that matter. And it and it felt like runs were coming relatively easy for him. He scored 44 of 60 deliveries, already scored seven boundaries and he's playing at a strike rate of 73.33. So it looks like Virat Kohli is well in control of this game and his wicket is going to be vital as far as the Indians are concerned because he looks set. This is the kind of set batsman I saw Cameron Green yesterday that he has completely understood the pitch. He has been playing some good shot. He's blocking good deliveries. He's hitting those off or boundaries here and there and it's pretty much similar as far as Virat Kohli is concerned and he's partnered brilliantly by Ajinkya Rahane. Ajinkya Rahane 20 of 59 deliveries so he's hanging in there whilst Virat Kohli does all the running, all the run scoring for Team India. And Virat Kohli has been playing some beautiful shots. A couple of flicks I remember of Mitchell Stark were a class to watch and you know how well Virat Kohli is when it comes to chasing runs chasing big total. He backs himself to get those runs and I'm sure he's currently in that one-day international kind of a mindset that he he makes those calculations in his mind. He knows when to attack. He knows when to leave the good or good delivery. He knows when to duck. He knows when to defend. So I, I can see India relying on Virat Kohli but his wicket is going to be crucial as far as the fifth day is concerned. If he can survive that first session... And India can lose like one extra wicket or none will be the best case scenario. Then I can see India going in full on for the victory. There is still a lot of batting to come. There is still Ravi Jadeja. There is still Shrikar Bharat, Shardul Thakur. So they, they are reliable batsmen. Yes, Bharat did not have the best of first innings. But he's still a very capable batsman as I mentioned in the earlier podcast that he has had a triple century under his belt. He has had a roughly 4,000 runs in first-class cricket. So, he's no scouch with the bat. So, there is still there is still batting to left. You have three good players to come. You already have a well-settled Virat Kohli and Ajinkya Rahan at the wicket. So, the win is still within India's grasp. But then, 280 more runs seems like a, seems like a total well on the above the horizon at the moment and it should be like an over at a time get those 10 overs in get those 20 overs in and let's see where we are at that point in time but there is no doubt in my mind that India will go all in for the win come tomorrow some of the key highlights from the game uh, from today's game that is from the today's day that is is how key how important is Nathan Lyon going to be there is a bit of turn in the wicket and he has troubled some Indian batsmen. He dismissed Rohit Sharma. There have been times that he can catch the rough bowling round the wicket. Virat Kohli nearly gloved a ball straight up in the air but unfortunately there was no bat or glove involved uh, during the latter stages of the day. I think it was a final over to be honest. Yeah. So Nathan Lyons going to be a key. But yeah, India need 280 more runs. Yes. 280 more runs seems possible when you think Australia managed 327 in one day on day one. But yeah, pitch was different. It was much better batting conditions. You can argue with that. But the batting conditions doesn't seem to be a lot more different than what it was. 
two or three days back. I think there is still some batting life in this pitch. And I think India have capable enough batsmen to exploit whatever conditions that is there is left for the batsmen. So that seems to be a real possibility that India could do that with seven wickets in hand. But then... They, if India chase this down, okay, hypothetically, let's assume India chase down 444. That would be the highest successful run chase in test match history. So there is history if India chase this down. The current record for the highest successful run chase is by the West Indies against Australia. In 2003, West Indies chasing down 418. Now, 418... And then 444, you're nearly getting 30 more runs. That is going to be a one hell of a task Task if India managed to do that, do, do achieve that. 418 being the highest run chase. Second highest is 414 by South Africa. That too was against Australia in 2008. Australia chased down 404 against England in 1948. And most recently, West Indies chased down 395 against Bangladesh in 2021. So, it is possible. I'm not saying that it is not possible. Like, Indian batting is relatively good when it comes to these sides like South Africa, West Indies from the past. India is very much capable of doing it. And I love the intent that the Indians are showing at the moment because... There could have been a possibility that India might have seen 444 on the board and and, th- and have thought, oh, well, that's a bit too much if you ask us. Let's let's play slowly. Let's, let's get, get through to the end of day four and see where we are at the beginning of day five. But no, uh, Rohit Sharma and Shubhan Gill came out to bat like, yes, with a statement of in- intent, like, yes, we are... Indians, we have got a great batting lineup. We are going to use that batting lineup and we are going to play with positive intent. And that is what I love about India and Test match cricket. They are never out of a Test match until the last ball of the last over of the fifth day is being pulled. They are completely in the game here, and it's it's going to be a mammoth task. But I, if you back someone to do it, I think it is India. And I. You can already feel from my voice that I am filled with hope here being an Indian fan. But on one hand, I'm quite aware that the pitch might be getting like deteriorating a bit, a bit every time. And the likes of Scott Poland have been brilliant and Nathan Lyon could be a trouble as well. So it is going to be a tall ask, but hey, I back my players and, and so far they haven't let me down. Yes, they didn't play well towards the early stages of the first innings but India have been brilliant for the last couple of days and that is the reason why test match is beautiful you can have a day off but then you play good cricket for a couple of sessions you're completely back into the game and India has shown that exact case study and they have been brilliant and 280 runs to get from let's say what 80-85 overs seems like a gettable thing But then again, I must talk about some concerns here. And one concern is surrounding Australia. One concern is surrounding surrounding the whole test match. I think I talked about both of these issues 
yesterday as well but these issues are not going out anytime soon and i think i should talk about it again one issue which concerns australia is pat cummins and his tendency of bowling no balls he's bought four no balls today six in the first innings that's 10 no balls in the entirety of the test match that's four days in the four days he's not even bowled all four days he's bowled for three days and he's bowled 10 no balls in total now that's not good enough if you are an australian pacer that too being the captain you expect the captain when he's the bowler to lead the attack from the front which he's doing don't get me wrong he has gotten an important wicket of cheteshwar pujara picked up three wickets in the first innings as well but then you remember his no balls costed him two wickets in the first innings both ajinkya rahane and shadul thakur would have gotten out for a much lower score than they actually did in the first innings all courtesy of him bowling no balls when both thakur and rahane were trapped in front for lbw and the and the drs the review did show that both of them were out but when you bowl a front foot no ball the thing just stops there it doesn't matter how plum you are you are not out because it's a no ball so pat cummins has to be careful tomorrow because every ball you bowl is going to be priceless as far as both australia's in and india's are con- and australia and india are concerned because australia will want to dry up the runs build up pressure and get those wickets while india will want to play freely play aggressive cricket and make sure that they chase down 280 so each and every ball is going to be crucial and they don't want to give easy runs to the opposition and no ball is basically the easiest thing you could give apart from an overhead wide which also happened today with the australians another talking point like talking about the bowlers reminded me that there is another issue surrounding australian bowling attack and that is mitchell stark don't get me wrong mitchell stark is a brilliant brilliant test bowler probably best amongst the current crop of australian bowlers which includes scott boland pat cummins and josh hazelwood but mitchell stark has been very expensive today seven overs none for 45 an economy rate of 6.42 6.42 is a bad economy when it comes to one day cricket let alone test cricket so things need to be done yes he is a wicket taking bowler and he has that knack of bowling one good delivery which will get a virat kohli out like he did in the first innings but when you are conceding at 6.5 nearly 6.5 runs and over that means like the batters are not scared of you or you are bowling in areas which are so easy for you to for the batsman to score he bowled a couple of full deliveries which were easily flicked around for a boundary by virat kohli so that's another issue as far as the australian bowling is concerned one is pat cummins and his no balls and mitchell stark and his economy rate and the way he's bowling scott boland has been brilliant one for 38 of 11 overs of him Cameron Green bowled two overs, none for six. Once again, let's not talk about that catch anymore. But yeah, Cameron Green is going to be vital as well. But I think Tefa is all going to be between the Indian batsman and Nathan Lyon. I expect Nathan Lyon to bowl a bulk of the overs tomorrow. I see him bowling at least thirty-five to thirty, thirty-seven, thirty-eight overs tomorrow, and. probably 40 overs if you ask me but yeah it is going to be an important day as far as the australians and indians both are concerned but yeah let's let's wait and see what happens tomorrow because i'm pretty much sure that there are not going to be 90 overs being bowled tomorrow as well because once again due to slow over rate we have lost nearly 7 to 8 overs today 
and that's not good because in the entirety of the four days which we have played cricket, both sides collectively have lost 35 to 37 overs. Now, that's not good enough because that's basically have lost one entire session due to slow over rate. So, yeah, once again, that issue still is still present and is still prevalent in this World Test Championship final. But I think both sides know that quite well. History awaits for India tomorrow if they manage to chase down 280 and I'll be there in front of my television from ball one cheering my boys along. But yeah, it is going to be a tall ask. But as I said, if anyone can do it, it's India, it's Virat Kohli and it's Ajinkya Rahane. So make sure you are tuning into the game tomorrow. Make sure you tune into the Cricket Corner podcast tomorrow to see a happy, sad, dejected, angry, whichever Vatsalvora comes up on your phones. But yeah, that's the day for review done. I hope you like this episode. Make sure you are giving me those wonderful five-star ratings on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Make sure you are liking, sharing and subscribing on YouTube. But for the time being, this is me, Vatsalvora, signing off. Ciao for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.